0: Hello, and welcome to Not Couple Goals, the podcast where we discuss the best and let's face it, worst of romantic thriller cinema. I'm Allie Nelson here with my co-host.
1: Tyler McCarthy. And this week, this episode, we are discussing the 2012 film Savages, directed by Oliver Stone, written by Shane Salerno, Don Winslow, and Oliver Stone, starring Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Taylor Kitsch, and Blake Lively.
0: Well, and Benicio del Toro and Selma Hayek. Let's that's not true. forget them.
1: I go with top billing on IMDb. That's their fault, not mine.
0: And introducing Ali Wong. So oh,
1: a, there, there, goes, there goes one of my trivia facts for later.
0: Oh, that's, that's a one sentence. So this is your that's spoiler. My sentence. Calm down. <laughs> This is your spoiler alert for Savages. If you have not seen the 2012 movie Savages, which there's other movies with the same name, but this is the 2012 one. If you have not seen this movie and you are going to be upset if it gets spoiled for you, then you should have seen it by now, but you can pause the podcast, go and watch the movie, then come back and it won't be spoiled.
1: Okay, welcome everyone. I'm excited for this one. Anyone who watches along with us probably figured out in a big hurry that this movie is like, it definitely fits the bill of Not Couple Goals, but it's definitely different from anything we've done before. That's because we have a guest who specifically targeted a romantic thriller action, and I'm so glad he did. Um, But he's also very extra special to the podcast. Uh, I hadn't podcasted before, before he reached out, in December of 2021, 22, whenever Hawkeye was on, uh, got me on the Socially Distanced podcast. That led to us hanging out in the city at one point, and I offhandedly mentioned, I kind of want to do more podcasting. And then within days, we had not a couple goals off the ground. Um, he is the managing editor of PopBreak.com. He is a big wig at Adweek. I should have asked his actual title. He'll give, it, give us that in a second. He's Al Manorino. You know him. Welcome oh, out.
2: Thank you. Woo. Thank you both so much. Uh uh yeah, I'm a senior producer uh at Adweek of the Adweek Podcast Network. So uh I don't stop doing things related to podcasting unless I'm uh taking photos uh <laughs> for for of bands and other events in the Jersey, New York, Philly area. But uh so happy to be here. So happy that you started podcasting full time and uh and uh, very excited to be on here talking about this kind of dumpster fire <laughs> of a movie.
1: Yeah, truly. This has been being able to podcast like this regularly with my wife has been so great. And I thank you uh, endlessly for the hookup because this has been a blast.
2: Literally the least I could do. You are one of my favorite humans I've ever met. And I'm so excited that you guys are uh, doing this. This is cool.
1: Awesome. Well, likewise. Well, now, you know, obviously you're a podcasting dynamo. I think that's the term. No. So I'm going to go with podcasting Dynamo.
2: I like it, um, but no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the maestro. Um, sure. But what I'm curious about is your relationship to romantic thrillers. What, uh, you know, you're a jack of all trades when it comes to movies like me, but romantic thrillers, what's your wheelhouse there?
2: Yeah, it's 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 very minimal. It's, it's funny because, you know, I've been with the same person since I was in 10th grade. Um, and she kind of introduced me to a lot of just like r- like the stereotypical like ro- romantic films like y- your notebooks and mm-hmm. uh uh was it the uh a walk to remember that's another another one yeah uh, yeah yeah no, all she, the sad she all oh, all the sad movies she 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 introduced me to those and then i forced You know, a lot of action and adventure and mostly comedies down her throat. Uh, But yeah, I don't have a a super strong connection to the genre. And I know that's what like this whole podcast about. So (laughs) when I was looking through the list, I'm like, they've either done this or I've never seen it. And then all of a sudden (laughs) this movie comes up. I was like, I forgot that movie existed.
1: (laughs) You said you saw it in theaters, right? I did. I did.
2: I saw it with my my buddy, uh, Ryan, who I've seen a lot of the movies over the last like 20 years with um he i I think we had a lot of hype going into this movie because of the talent involved um you know obviously it was an oliver stone movie Mm -hmm. um and he is kind of a pretty prolific director but aaron taylor aaron taylor johnson was uh like kind of fresh off kick-ass which is where he was like gonna introduce to to the wide audience as we liked him uh not really much of a Taylor Kitsch guy, but, you know, again, very like ridiculously kind of stacked cast with uh, Blake Lively, uh, Blake Lively, uh, Benicio Del Toro, Salma Hayek. And it's just like, we're like Oliver Stone, kind of like brutal action movie. Like, let's go. Like, yeah. we're in.
1: As I was watching it, because I didn't look up the cast list much beforehand, beyond what we were talking about at the end of uh, last Thursday's recording, uh, Socially Distanced Podcast, Secret Invasion, Episode 1. Everyone should go listen to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh, del Toro is in this, Salma Hayek's in this, Yeah, Ali Wong is making her debut in this, like, holy shit, <laughs> there's so many, it's just like a who's who of that guy, yeah. or that girl, like, it's it's really crazy. Yeah, there's um, like,
2: a, there's like, what, like, I, I don't, not an hour, but like, maybe 15 to 30 minutes in the movie, you're like, Emil Hirsch is in this movie?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> like, I said that out loud, and I was like, I've seen this movie before, and I'm still surprised.
0: Ali Wong was the one where it was like, uh, unexpected.
1: Well, I went, holy shit, that's Ali Wong. <laughs> I went, and I'm almost ashamed to admit this, but I said to Ali, I was like, is that Ali Wong or am I racist?
0: No, you said, is that Ali Wong? And then you thought that it wasn't. And you were like, oh, I guess I'm just racist. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: I was like, it's Ali Wong. Oh, wait, no, it's not. And the then worst. it was like, oh, wait, it's the yes, worst feeling. It's, yeah. yeah, the worst. But I guess making her debut. So it was a, a fresh faced Ali Wong. So it's, yeah, we can all forgive me for that. She
0: still got the glasses,
1: though. That's true. Yeah, that's all right. Like she's come a long way, uh, from the the computer girl in Savages.
2: Yeah, now she's probably one of the most successful comedians. She's probably the probably the number one female comedian out there, if not like top three.
0: Yeah, definitely right now.
2: Yeah, after Beef
0: sure. and everything.
2: Oh, oh my god, Beef yeah.
1: and Always Be My Maybe. If you haven't checked, those yeah, out,
2: and please. like three absolutely like amazing Netflix specials. Like yeah, like we like I watch those. Like I watched the Mulaney specials, just like they're in a rotation just like every few months i'm like let's let's watch baby what was a baby cobra or whatever yeah, yeah yeah like let's watch that let's watch you know the next the the first one let's watch the second one like my, my wife loves her too they're just the tickets so are expensive i've tried to go <laughs> see her a few times now she's yeah. very expensive
1: and if anyone knows how to like get tickets respectfully yeah. it's you
2: uh, yeah exactly <laughs> hello modern day warriors i'm justin mancini i'm noah france i'm luke martin i'm chris mancini and we are the hosts of podwork angels the rush hour a podcast dedicated to the rock band rush
1: hey isn't that the band that's exclusively listened to by drum students and dads over 60. well
2: yes but uh, we like to think that we explore the real poetry of the band as we look at our favorite songs our not so favorite songs favorite lyrics and our favorite musical moments or maybe just You want to hear Luke's Getty Lee impression.
3: And the men who hold high
1: places. Uncanny. Well, look for Podwork Angels The Rush Hour on Pop Break Today feed as part of thepopbreak.com.
2: Every third Tuesday of the month. Hey, it's Bill Bodkin, editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. Join myself, Amanda Rivas, Al Manorino, and a cavalcade of awesome guests on the Socially Distanced podcast, the flagship podcast of
3: thepopbreak.com. And it's Amanda Rivas. If you're a pop culture obsessed nerd like we are, then you need to make socially distanced an integral part of your life. We talk all the things, Marvel, Star Wars, you know, everything on Disney Plus pretty much, as well as the hottest trending shows and news in the world of pop culture.
2: This is definitely Al Manorino and not Bill Bodkin, So listen to the Socially Distanced podcast every Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so we can eventually get Disney Plus to give us advertising money, please. We could use the money. I, I have children.
1: Hey there, this is Josh and this is Aaron. And we're the host of the Anniversary Brothers podcast the podcast where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. Hey, Aaron, what do Muppet Treasure Island, Arrow, and The Birds have in common? Uh, they all feature bird puppets. Close. They're all movies and shows we've covered on the pod. Find our film podcast on the Pop Break Today feed. And find our TV podcast on the Pop Break TV feed. Thanks. Bye. Um, so, I'm curious, you saw it going in, you told us a little bit about the hype that you had surrounding it, but Based on just what you knew about it before you sat your ass in that theater in 2012, what did you think this movie was gonna be about? And did it really meet your expectations? I I,
2: I mean t- 2012, I'm I think second year in a college, third year in a college, maybe. So I I was seeing everything. Like I I studied radio TV and film at at Rowan University. Like I I started going to see movies like a lot more, especially I don't know if this was a summer movie or not, but like summer, I was at the movies, you know, two or three times a week, like depending on what was coming out. And I, I think it was a think July. It was, it's July, yeah. So we were there. Uh, we had a buddy who worked at the movie theater too, so sometimes we nice. oh, again another another reason why we would go is because we would get in for free. Um, I remember leaving a three eleven concert at PNC and driving <laughs> all the way like an hour back to manahawken to catch a like not even thursday it was like a wednesday or thursday night uh advanced screening of captain america the first avenger and oh, we nice. went all the way back there because we got him for free so yeah <laughs> little little tidbit but in terms of this movie i think again it was just like everything on paper it was like this looks really cool big guns big action explosions oliver stone to like probably have like two or three of the hottest young actors in Hollywood at that time period. Um, Only two of them kind of remained relevant. uh, Now (laughs) Uh, I'll let you pick who, Uh, but yeah, it just, it
1: just seemed leave that subjective opinion up to, up to you. (laughs) Exactly. It just seemed
2: like it was right up our alley. Like, uh, you know, at the time when we were college kids who loved action movies.
1: And Ali, how about you? When, well, I actually never asked you, even when we were watching it, like, what was this your first time watching this movie?
0: This was my first time watching it. You know, I've definitely heard of it. I remember when it came out, it sort of came out when I feel like Blake Lively was doing good movies at the time. I think she came out with, like, The Town, and so people had recommended that to me. And I, st- I still haven't seen it, even though I'm from Boston. Right. Um Great movie. But... I rem- I remember thinking that this was probably in the same league as that because everyone was talking about how she was doing all these good movies. So I had that expectation going in, and then I did I'd seen like clips and I knew about like the thruple aspect. And I will admit that I was like, "This piques my interest." Like they're in a throuple? Uh but yeah. Other than that, that's all I, I kind of knew just like thruple and kidnapping. I didn't really even know like the weed aspect and that you know it was supposed to be sort of a good movie. And then I looked at the Reviews afterwards and was like, oh, I don't know. I guess it was sort of like a middle of the road movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Very much so.
1: Yeah, I'm in this. I i didn't know this movie existed until Al brought it up uh on Thursday. We're recording this uh on Tuesday. Like I I did not hear about this movie. It went completely over my head back then. I think I must have been in college around the same time too. Um yeah, I must have been a junior at UConn. Uh and that was back when I couldn't afford to go to the movies and I had no way to get the Yukon campus beautiful campus but it's in the middle of nowhere so to get anywhere like a movie theater you had to have a car which i did not at the time mm-hmm. so i was just pirating um a bunch of like mo- old movies and tv shows and that was where i was like digesting everything and getting the discerning cinematic eye that i enjoy today <laughs> um but this movie watching it going in like just watching the trailer and like hearing Al's elevator pitch, I was like, okay, I'm going to get a little uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson in the credits is just Aaron Johnson. Um, didn't know who Taylor, or I knew who Taylor Kitsch was, but I wouldn't have at the time. Uh, but yeah, it just seemed like it was like, yeah, a throuple sexy kind of thing. And then it devolves into a, I'm trying to think of like the directing style. It's like, I mean, I know it's Oliver Stone, but it was, it's just this like weird high octane kind of like, I thought I was going to get a little more Fast and the Furious kind of stuff. Um, but instead, I got this weirdly, like, deeply cinematic uh, uh, kind of experience that was, I mean, just just cuckoo. Uh, but I'm glad I watched it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's not the gonna... worst movie we've done.
1: That's
2: true. Good, good, good to hear. I, mean, I didn't want to just completely ruin your night.
1: That goes <laughs> to that uh, Jack Nicholson's kid movie that I, I out of the blue.
0: Yeah. Oh, that
3: was bad.
1: What a bad movie? <laughs> but yeah. It was it was like good, and I I respected the choice of doing an action based romantic thriller. So like the first half of this movie is 100 percent in our wheelhouse. It's like steamy sex scenes, like weird throuple aspect stuff, and then it just gets like a violent shove into this weird like 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 if Soderbergh did meth, it was just really like weird.
2: Yeah, I I, I liked I like Soderbergh on meth. I also think it's like Oliver Stone wanted to make a michael bay movie yeah Yeah. it's like it feels very michael bayish at times like the not necessarily like the action but just the kind of onslaught continuous of like we need to put a torture scene here let's throw another one in here real quick let's throw some action and uh a chase or what, like whatever but like that there's that and there's also like Anytime there's a girl on screen, they're like, we need to make this the sexiest scene ever. <laughs> yeah, It doesn't matter how long it is or whatever. We need to make it like, you know, get every lens flare you can find, uh, make sure you cut back and forth to the ocean. Like it just felt at times very Michael Bay-esque. Yeah, but true. still
0: with the same ADD that I feel like Oliver Stone has. Like,
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: it does have a lot of ADD in this.
1: But it did, it looks a lot like... um. Bad Boys Two, a little bit with just like they really wanted to capture like the sun and the surf and the party style. for sure, and all of the weirdly bright, somewhat neon colors that go with it. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: Yeah, there's a moment in the movie um, when they when they do do the attack on that like the where they raid the house to to steal the money.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: A lot happens in this movie. We that could (laughs) have been that could have been three different scenes.
1: Which Um, which raid were you talking? Yeah,
2: seriously, but that raid. Um, when when uh, Ben uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character puts on like the mask, it cuts like back and forth to like almost like night vision, like green, like the, everything. Becomes, yeah. Like, the, the, oh, really. The, the whole that. film becomes like green, and then it kind of cuts back. And I was like, why did he do that? Like, what was that choice? I don't understand it. But yeah, there's, there's a, a lot few of that.
1: with. There's a few scenes with Blake Lively too, where it just turns black and white, and then this like weird yeah like tone thing that I didn't exactly understand. And normally that drives me nuts when movies do that. I'm like, you establish your visual language and then you stick to that visual language. Mm. But here it was so all over the place that I was like, yeah, fucking throw in a black and white scene. I don't care.
0: That is very Oliver Stone, though. Like, I remember watching uh, some featurette on like Natural Born Killers and he was talking about just how he would do mushrooms and then make movies. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty evident. That's (laughs)
3: it.
2: That's accurate.
1: I should confess up top, I'm not super familiar with a lot of Oliver Stone's work. Uh, so, this is like maybe a weird introduction. For
2: <laughs> it is. And that I think it was honestly, it's not my introduction to him because I actually went, I'm pretty sure I saw Wall Street to Money Never Sleeps in oh. theaters without having seen Wall Street.
0: Oh, oh, that really? sounds like a yeah. like all around horrible movie watching experience. It was. I want to do great. a podcast that's just
1: <laughs> picking your brain about that. Oh, my God. that is a good podcast
2: idea of like just people who've seen the sequels and never seen the original.
1: Oh yeah. yes, that would be great.
2: That would be. Fun. I want.
1: I want to show someone just the Point Break remake, a movie that I was thinking oh, about God. a lot when I watched this, and just be like, "What do you think?"
2: Ugh, don't bring <laughs> don't don't bring Bill to this. He'll be so mad. <laughs>
0: When I was sitting in the theater, so excited to see The Dark Knight, my friend who came with me turned to me right before it started and she was like, so I haven't seen the first one. Uh, can you tell me what? And I was like, I, if you ask questions during this movie, I, like, I'll, friendship I will over kill you. Yeah, I will um,
3: kill
0: you. <laughs> I'll switch seats.
1: The Dark Knight. I had a friend do the same thing we went to see. It wasn't a good movie, but it was like the fourth Die Hard. And oh. he was like, I've never seen any of others. Do you think that'll be a problem? And I was like, yeah, I think it'll be a, a little bit. <laughs> a yeah for sure well we're getting a little into the movie which I love but I'm going to completely derail us for a moment of course. and have Ali give us a brief recap for those who need a refresher on what the hell we're talking about
2: I need it
0: okay so summary of this we have uh, Ben I believe we don't usually use the names but I believe it was Ben and Sean Sean uh, is Taylor Kitsch he is a hardened uh war veteran. I think it was like Afghanistan uh, And then we have uh Ben who is uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson who's going by Aaron Johnson in this movie and he is like the the hippie friend, the the sweet caring friend. And the two of them are kind of complete opposites, but best friends. And then they share a girlfriend. They are in a throuple with Blake Lively. Who's kind of playing like your typical Blake Lively character. Let's be fair. Uh, Not you a free, free spirited hot girl. Uh, the, the two guys and you know, with her help, they're in a marijuana business and they're pretty good at it. They make pretty good strains. They grow their own strains and they get entangled in a cartel who wants their business. Uh, the cartel is run by Selma Hayek and uh, Benicio del Toro is sort of one of her muscles. So. In the entanglement of this, uh, they don't want to give their business away, they're trying to get away. And this leads to the cartel kidnapping Blake Lively and then just hijinks ensues. That is all of the, the all of the, the summary I'm gonna give because that's basically the whole movie.
1: Yeah. We were talking a little bit before this that you know the movie it feels very long. It's like a two hour movie, which is long for a movie. Like 210, th- I 10. Yeah. Yeah. But, it was very long, but this in particular, like sort of Allie just said, they kidnap Blake lively. And then the two boys have to do what they have to do up against this cartel to get her back. And then there's like, like she gets kidnapped like 45 minutes into the movie. So there's a lot of just like, they got to get her back. They got to get her back. This is plan A to get her back. Okay. This is plan B to get her back. And it, it we all reached a point where we like paused it at one point thinking, surely this is the climax of the movie. And there was like 50 minutes left. Yeah. It really like it stretches. Um, but now we can just sort of dive into our, you know, our general thoughts on the movie. And my first was that this movie suffered, I think a lot for having, the most like apathetic Blake Lively doing the full narration the entire time it opens and she sounds straight up sleepy.
0: Yeah. Well, she's high. Yeah.
2: Cause she's high the whole movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was hard to tell whether that was like acting choice, director's choice, or just like that's the feeling of 2012 was like, we were all kind of apathetic.
1: <laughs> I may be dead at the end of this. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But we have some
2: incredible lines in this opening monologue. Yes. Like maybe, maybe two of my favorite lines I've ever heard in a movie.
1: I have to, because I really the first like five notes I have are just me, like writing quotes.
2: Yeah, yeah. My favorite, of course. I mean, unless someone wants to take it, I, I, I it's the one that I'm.
1: I'm curious if you have the same one.
2: It's I have orgasms. He has <laughs> orgasms.
1: Oh is maybe yes, the
2: best line I've ever heard in a movie
1: literally my first note it's my have, first
2: note I <laughs> you can't see it but it's my first note
1: has war games. I hated that
0: so much what she said I and I was just like why but it, comes,
2: but it comes all the way back around and I love it like because it's Wait. like this is the this is the tone of the movie
1: yeah it is the tone of the movie yeah Wait, how does it come back around? Is there like a a, no? I mean,
2: like I'm saying the the actual like you hate it so much at first. That line, you're like, This is the worst thing I've ever heard, but then you think about it like, no, that was actually said in a major motion picture.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was my my big oh no moment of the beginning when you're like, Oh no, what movie am I watching? I do
1: remember going on a brief having a brief moment after she said that of being like Al, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's two more hours
2: and then and then when Ben comes back from his like Indonesia trip or wherever he is at that point she goes uh she goes Chan fucks and Ben makes love
3: Ooh, and i was yeah. like Bleh.
2: yeah um, can we just all agree that chan is like one of the worst names for a lead character ever what yeah, is I that name?
0: I kept thinking it was John I thought John. it was I thought it was John, it John at first. I John, thought it was John at first.
2: John. Could be anything.
0: And then I thought it was John, John because John Travolta called him John, John Boy. But I thought maybe I've been hearing it wrong and it's John Boy. And that did we very mention much
2: Travolta at all yet. We no, did we,
1: forget we, that he was in
2: this He's in this so, movie. Travolta's sporting
1: his real hair, I imagine. Yeah. Died heavily, but his real hair so died.
2: Yeah. He's in this movie a lot.
1: Yeah, because and it, we completely forgot for. He forgot wins it. the movie. He wins it in a the end a little
2: bit, but he did it because I mean he wins the plot of the movie, but he doesn't yeah. win the movie because we forget oh he did it.
1: Yeah, that's true. This is uh, I want like I would have called it a Benicio del Toro like movie, yeah. but then his character gets deeply and profoundly upsetting in, in, in like the third act out of nowhere for just, I mean not out of nowhere, but they really just yeah. I mean, the less said about that, the better. I guess.
2: I do. But, I do have in my notes that he he's so good at playing like an ultimate asshole.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes, he's really good at it.
0: You put him in a movie, and chances are he is going to give the best performance of any of the cast members a lot yeah, of the time. Like sure. he's he's one of my favorites in Sin City. He's obviously fantastic in Traffic.
1: love Sin
0: City.
1: Oh, the he, the amount it. he has to do in Sin City, like when he has to play the ghost version of himself yeah, like his own dead body yeah the physicality of holding his like severed head up and all of that or gotta watch the city again great movie
2: yeah so
1: yeah
0: that's my favorite scene in the movie i love that great movie
1: but in Uh, this he's 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 just such a heinous asshole and he's established that way too that was the other thing about this movie too in terms of tone they established very early on that like okay this is graphic like break blake lively and taylor are like fucking on the couch like capital yes. F fucking but then it's like they take it to a whole new stratosphere with that scene where he shoots the lawyer in the kneecaps twice and kills yep. the like woman that he's with it's so like profoundly upsetting the way he's like everyone's just screaming and begging yep. for their life it's so hard to watch he's
2: the 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 movie establishes itself as super R when yep. they do like, as you said, a, a very hard, not hardcore, but a very, very passionate sex scene followed by what everyone does after sex is they watch super high quality beheading videos.
1: Oh, yeah. God. What was that? Are we to believe that the cartel sent them that? Yeah. As like, a, hey, work with us.
0: Like, yeah, they bitch. started initially like they were immediately sending weird little notes and
1: videos. That really, yeah. like, makes the tone of, like, the hotel meeting in the beginning when they're like, please sit. Would you like any tea? Like, no. As they're
2: loading up guns in the back. Yeah.
1: A, it's so weird. Oh, I thought they were dismantling Taylor Kitsch's guns. Was that it? Maybe. There was a lot of guns. So either he came walking, <laughs> yeah. like, way too much. Either he walked in, like, Frank Castle or they were just like... <laughs> dismantling their own guns Well, I feel like it's a good
0: tactic if you're trying to intimidate the people you invited over to be like we're gonna put our guns together right now in front of you during this (laughs) this is the
2: time to do it yeah yeah for sure
1: it's noon it's time for tea and to clean our guns Mm -hmm. although but I I appreciated the Taylor kitchen this movie at least his character I liked how capable uh uh they all were just like they, they didn't hang a big lantern on it they were like yeah he's former like U.S. military so he's a, a a little bit unintimidated by these cartel guys. He knows the danger he's up against, but he's, you know, a fighter. He's not. Uh, uh, you don't have to worry about him being in over his head the way you do, Aaron Taylor Johnson.
2: Yeah, I I, I just find it weird. I mean, I don't know if we're gonna dive or dive deeper into the the thruple aspect of it all. I'm sure we oh, will because that's we're kind of gonna amazing. dive deep. I was gonna say. All right, then I'll save it for that. But uh, yeah, no, I I, I outside of the movie being kind of a mess, they do. A pretty decent job of like establishing like who these people are. And they kind of remain that way throughout the whole whole film. Like outside of like Ben, who has to kind of go through like a anti-hero's journey. like, yeah, the rest of them, like really kind of stick to who they are, I guess,
0: yeah,
1: which, which I like appreciate because it's more the movie itself. I guess that's maybe why it felt a little long because the movie itself was just, established characters going from point a to point b yeah ben has like a tiny arc um and selma hayek i guess kind of has an arc but the movie really is just like here's this wild story that unfolds among these criminals which yeah when done right can be a lot of fun it
2: i i honestly think this movie would have done better it would have it would have i think lasted more in like the You know, people would care more about this movie if it was more in the vein of like a Pulp Fiction or yes or a um not Lucky Number Eleven. What's that other one? Um, the one with like multiple storylines. Thank you, Smoking Ace is like if you give me something where like you know you're you're following Ben and Chan and Blake Lively maybe is like the connective tissue of all the different stories, but I think that would have suited better for like the. Where, like, where the location, like Laguna Beach, I think that's a really interesting spot. And like, I, I think it would have been better, if, like, especially because the length of this movie, yeah, like, give us less of this story, but put more stories in it, and then have them kind of interconnect at the end. Like that would have been, I think, better suited for this. It that's just what feels, I, yeah, I, I hollow. Like,
0: I was feeling like I want this movie to to pick a lane a little bit better. It's not yeah. a straight up drama. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't go that like that fun route of like, this is Correct. a fun sort of shoot 'em up with all of these sort of heisty elements. Mm-hmm. And because it doesn't do that, it doesn't really succeed at either. But it could. I was thinking in the middle of it, too. I was like, I really wish this was fun. I think it would be yeah. so much so such a joy to watch if they had that element and like oh like the different because it's got some really interesting characters but then it's like oh we want to just you know really have a lot of long dramatic moments
1: yeah and even the moments that are like supposed to be like eye-catching or action even it's like you get the fun sort of uh heist where they intercept the money on the road using an uh improvised explosive device and all of that but then it's like in the same movie you get like wargasms orgasms and orgasms, and also in the same movie, you get like the criminal like being strung up, begging for his life with his eye like st- like popping out of his skull. That like, dude's
2: in everything now too, right? He pops up in like a lot of stuff now. That that actor, yeah.
1: Uh, I looked up his. It name was beforehand. really good in this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he plays that scene. Real that scene is deeply upsetting. Yeah, because he's yeah.
2: doing a great job. He really acting. sold it. You want but, this movie to be fun, and then that happens.
1: Yes, you're like, oh, is it over yet? And yeah. then, like, yeah, Salma Hayek makes Blake Lively, like, watch as Aaron Taylor Johnson, lights the sky on fire. Like, holy shit. It's, there's mm-hmm. fatigue at
2: there's the also end a, of this There's movie.
1: also a fake ending. Yeah. Yeah, that Unnecessary? Was, what the hell? What did you guys think of that? Unnecessary. For, for people who were watching, pausing at one point and being like, I can't believe how much more of this movie is left. Yeah. For it to try to get away with two endings, I felt was offensive i'll say
0: i think i think it was a fake out because they mentioned butch cassidy and the sundance kid at the beginning so Mm. it was trying to lead you to believe that they were going to like die during the action like uh, like a butch cassidy sort of thing because i had i was like oh they're ending it like butch cassidy and then they were like haha fake out and i was like oh they wanted their cake and to eat it too which that's what you do with cake so i mean i didn't hate it (laughs) like the explanation was like, oh, that's what she was picturing when they were on the way there. Uh, okay. Fine.
1: Yeah. It's okay, but I have it... a problem with that. Okay, Because go. there is no way, her in her like imagination of it all, a shootout ensues because Selma Hayek says, hey, who is my rat? And Taylor Kitsch says, oh, it's Benicio Del Toro. So if this is all happening in Blake Lively's mind, she knows none of that. She does not know there is a rap. <laughs> she does not know that Taylor Kitsch knows that it's Benicio Del Toro. So that's annoying too. I did forget that. In the end, the way they like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid is like Aaron Taylor Johnson gets a fatal wound, very very sad. Taylor Kitch gets what you know he you see he doesn't seem like he's in good shape in the middle of the uh, uh, desert. So he morphines Aaron Taylor Johnson. He morphines himself. He also morphines the perfectly healthy blake lively he wanted to get high <laughs> like he kills her yeah it did moment. seem like
0: because she said i don't want to leave him that he was like well i guess i'll kill you and it's like i don't think that's what you, <laughs> she, she was that asking what,
1: how do you how do you know that's what she meant
0: yeah exactly like you got to be pretty sure when you, yeah. when you murder your girlfriend
1: you gotta I, know that's I why think- ali and i have a definitive signal for when she's like no it's okay to kill me
0: and that's nothing it's never okay to. it's never okay (laughs) i will Um, become a zombie and come at you and i don't want you to kill me even then
2: wow
3: oh wow
2: she's gonna be your ed
1: yeah Uh, sean
2: um my valley's a
1: zombie i've been a zombie for weeks my favorite (laughs) movie of
2: all time by the way is sean of the dead um i think it's supposed to kind of continue that she's like an unreliable narrator because in the beginning when she says like you know i could be dead i could be alive like you don't know it's like i don't know again i think it just goes back to what ali's saying like they just want he wanted to do so many things in this movie and could not pick a lane there's way too much going on yeah and almost not enough
1: (laughs) yes that's true Like too much of the same happens all the way through for sure yeah it's like they they kind of like decide in, in a scene that was like so bafflingly in a scene that reminded me of like, okay, this is what, if they made point break today, it would be where they're with all of their surf buddies in what looks to be their tech van, which I guess they have a tech van and they're like going through all the files on Salma Hayek's character, the cartel. And that's when they're like, Oh, she's got all these safe houses. I'll bet there's money in them. Let's start heisting them to pay for O's freedom. But then it's like they do one heist and then after that it's like they're the heat is so on them that they just kind of like meander about for the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah, that's where it sort of lost steam for me. Like I didn't find myself, I wasn't like, oh, I'm enraptured by this movie. I think it's fantastic. But I didn't find myself bored until probably we got about an hour and 40 in and I was like, but I know you're headed towards just, like, a reunion. Like, clearly you're going to kidnap the daughter. I figured that out already because you thought she was dead and then she's you know not. Yeah. And then you're clearly headed towards some sort of standoff, you know, exchanging of hostages. I don't need another 45 minutes to tell me that. Like, I just want you to get there.
1: I do wonder if, you know, the propensity of this movie to do, to try to do a little bit of everything and ultimately do not enough of anything has to do with the fact that it is an adaptation of a book. I'm curious. I tried to do I did a little research into the book which I'll talk about later but like I don't know if the book has two endings. I don't know if the book follows all these very extra crazy characters. I totally
2: forgot this was a book.
1: Yeah, Don totally. Winslow written by Don Winslow. Um and I'm and Oliver Stone like was enamored with it as I'll get into later but like he was he saw this book or at least the pitch for it and was like, this is going to be my next movie. And I'm wondering if that is not necessarily the way to do a book adaptation or an original film to sort of, you've got a lot of uh, wagons leading horses there.
0: I think he's somebody that needs a director. Like he's a director that needs like a director. (laughs) Like he can do like a, a, a a biopic or something because there are actual like lanes, there's tracks you got to go down. You can't like, jfk can't all of a sudden have like a, a showgirl dancing career you know like <laughs> you, you you have those lanes and when he doesn't have those tracks it's it It can either be if it's a chaotic movie if it's like a like a you know out there i think you can do it but i think a lot of the time he just gets so unfocused that it then makes your audience unfocused
2: yeah i totally agree
1: yeah speaking of Unfocused. How's that for a podcast transition? <laughs> uh, I I want to ask, especially Ali, since you you know do a lot of voiceover work uh, currently for hire. If you are doing a voiceover project, please look to my wife. But love it. The we talked a little bit about the apathy of Blake Lively's character. I am curious. I felt. I want to know if anyone agreed with me. Did anyone feel like her voiceover character and her character character were very different? There is a very jarring moment in the movie. I want to see if I can find it like the exact quote in my notes, but she says something. Oh yeah, she said like the Red Queen asked me to dinner and we sat and like, she's talking in all of these terms. And then it's like a cut to her speaking in the world. And she's like, while chewing on a steak, like, yeah, I did community college for a while, but I dropped out after a semester because like institutions aren't really my thing. Like her narrator is so like smart and wise and poetic. And then her actual character is like, I have to go shopping orgasm like it, it doesn't make much sense was there a disconnect there for anyone else
0: yeah I mean I definitely did feel uh, it did feel disconnected and it it was hard to focus on her narration because of the apathy because it was very monotonous too mm. that there were times I forgot she had narrated and I, or I was like oh she's still narrating because I was tuning <laughs> it out because like when you have a narrator you can't have it be like so apathetic and and to me you can't have it be so apathetic and so uh, just boring because it does doesn't help to focus your audience which is kind of why you're having narration.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I it's weird because it's like it's almost like the Selma Hayek's daughter should have been the narrator. Like yeah. someone who is oh, more wow. outside of it because like Blake Lively was too a part of it. And I, I again, I, I guess probably from the book or whatever, but like it just it, at times it felt like it it did not match because we were hearing someone who may be dead or not, and as as, as opposed mm-hmm. to the person that we're actually seeing the things happen to her. So I think she almost played it two different ways, and it was kind of weird. It was, a, it was did, an odd choice.
0: She was too savvy in the narration, where, where she didn't seem very like worldly and you know world savvy in her actual role and i get maybe it's supposed to be that this is her after the kidnapping so she's like more hardened but it just that doesn't track it's like confusing to try and do that and she also like she narrates like situations that she wasn't privy to which kind of makes it confusing too like even if someone filled her in after the fact it's like i don't it's hard to have like uh, a narrator who actually is a character in the movie and she misses so much of the action of the movie because she's kidnapped.
1: Correct. Yeah. And it goes to what Al was saying before that like, they, they clearly made a choice to make her this unreliable narrator because the first words out of her narration mouth are, you know, just cause I'm narrating this doesn't mean I'm alive at the end of this. It's like, you're a character who we're using your voice, but you're not necessarily the character. You're this weird third party fourth wall breaking narrator and it's kind of like you gotta know that's confusing you gotta know that's gonna run into narrative issues you gotta know three little little wise asses are gonna talk about it on a podcast a couple years later it's you gotta know you can't be doing that and i I actually think
0: they i think they should have switched off narrators like i think she could have introduced the beginning because she is so close to the boys and then we could have gotten different people's perspectives and i think that would have been more interesting to me Because they also kind of drop the narration like aspect at one point because they're like, she's missed too much of the movie. She wouldn't be able to narrate this. And they kind of just go away from that. Whereas we could have kept, you know, we could have gotten Aaron Taylor Johnson's sort of perspective on things. You know, it just uh, really like had Selma Hayek's at the end. Like, I think that would have been a lot more fun.
1: Yeah, I also think I think that's a really great solution. I think Al had a great solution of making it Selma Hayek's daughter because that gives this character that didn't have a ton to do uh, a little more to do. Um, or make think, it, or make it
2: both of the lead dudes, yeah, and have we, them switch on and off because they're the ones who are like actively involved in the entire plot. Like as, as Tyler, as you said, like she is not privy to anything after she gets kidnapped. Only one side of it, not yeah. what the boys are doing until like they're getting like live streamed uh, lighting people on
1: fire. Yeah, Wait, her yeah, narration would be all about just like asking to speak to the manager of the cartel. Yeah.
0: Well, no, yeah, I do think it would have been because they also have different personalities, so that would have like colored the way that they were narrating and also given like a chance to the color the kind of recreation of the scenes.
1: Yeah. And she's also among the many characters in this movie that doesn't really get an arc. But I mm-hmm. think they are trying to make us believe in the end that like, yeah, she she's a more hardened person now. But it's like, I don't know if she, I, I didn't need her to be more hardened, and I certainly don't buy that she necessarily is now because, you know, all she well, did you, was get you would kidnapped after, and have upsetting things happen.
0: You would be after a harrowing like, you know, you would be more hardened. You would be like a different person after that.
1: Yeah, I guess what I mean is I that that journey is not like, at least as it played out in this movie is not the hero's journey you hang a whole movie on. yeah. You know, it's I think if anything, Al uh, hit the nail on the head, which is that Aaron Taylor Johnson is the one with like the big arc in this movie. Yeah. Um, and i'm curious to know because it came up it's been coming up in conversation left right and sideways ever since he was listed as a front runner to be the new james bond um if you're listening to this in the future you know how that played out
3: yeah
1: um but in our world right now in our reality he's just rumored to be the front runner and i'm curious what you guys think about that because i think you uh, uh my two co-ho or my two uh podcasting people here might have different opinions on that
2: Allie, you want to start
0: sure i i mean i was talking to tyler about it last night i for a long time i found him very boring like i kept being like why is this guy in every single movie that i've watched like he (laughs) always just ends up in there like he's very boring in the godzilla movie i don't feel like he did a lot in, in age of Ultron. there's a lot where i feel like he was just kind of there and sort of like this white bread man like i'm just this joe america doing just really uh normal things and then i saw him in uh bullet train and he's fantastic in that movie he's one of the better characters he's so much more charismatic and so much more fun than i'd seen him be in any other role and i had forgotten that he was the the, the teenager in kick-ass too so I'll, I'll be honest there i totally forgot that that was him oh really you but, forgot that was him yeah i because i kept being like what else is he in um i think he's in nocturnal animals too but anyway uh so I have a new respect for him because I see I've seen what he's capable of in Bullet Train. And I actually thought he was one of the stronger parts of this movie. I actually thought he did a really great job in this movie. Like the movie's uneven and things like that, but I think everything he was given to do, he actually really did very strongly. And being the only character who got an arc, he pulled it off.
1: Yeah. Al, what do you think? I
2: I really like it. I've liked him since Kickass. Um, I think he could have went the Taylor Kitsch route especially seeing him in this movie with him like that guy's very one note he was very typecasted pretty quickly Uh, he was supposed to be you know we were supposed to be all wearing John Carter of Mars (laughs) Uh, and that did not happen Um, I I think he's made good choices um, in his career and I think seeing him in something like bullet train is I, I guess, like a like, like good reasoning enough to make him the next Bond, but like, I mean, our choices last time were Daniel Craig, Henry Cavill, and Clive Owen. Like those are mm. fucking Bond. Like yeah. those guys are Bond, and it's like we like all we can come up with is is Aaron Taylor Johnson for Bond. That's a little sad. I know, I know the the one dude that everyone really wanted was the guy from Bridgerton. Uh, oh I think yeah, was the show. Um, But I think he said he doesn't want to do it. And I'm like, you're dumb. Like, you will be so rich for, like, ever. Um, But, yeah, there's no one right now that, like, I personally would say, like, that person needs to be the next whatever. Um, I haven't done that in a while. They just casted Superman today. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I saw that, too. And I I was like, all right, cool.
2: A guy I don't know.
0: I don't think Aaron Taylor Johnson, like, as much as I was excited by him in Bullet Train, I would love to see him in, like, a Guy Ritchie movie. You know, I'm not. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. I mean, amazing. I'd love to see him in a guy, Richard. Yeah, Make make Man from Uncle 2 and replace, <laughs> uh, what's his name, uh, uh, uh Army Hammer with yeah. Harry Taylor Johnson and I'm set.
0: Exactly. But yeah, I don't I feel like he, he, I don't see him as like this grown-ass man. So I don't, I feel like it's hard to follow the like really gritty Daniel Craig with like, now we're back to sort of like a fresh face looking guy and I also don't feel like he has sort of the gravitas to be like this guy's James Bond. He walks into a room. You're terrified of him as soon as he throws a punch. And
2: horny. You're both terrified yeah. and horny.
0: Yeah, because yeah, I don't really feel oh, so that way when he walks in a room. I'm not like I'm scared and horny. Yeah.
1: I feel like his career so far, he's projected a lot of a lot of range that I like to see and that I would like to see in the next Bond. I'm not a giant James Bond fan, but I remember Daniel Craig is like a really charismatic, uh, funny, fun, charming actor who was given like. Was not asked to rely on those skills in any way, shape, or form to play Bond for most of his run,
0: and so he doesn't bring
1: those skills to that. Really. his exactly. portrayal is
0: so boring, and then you watch him in something like Knives Out, and you're like, "Oh man, I forgot that he's so charismatic." Yeah, it's. it's,
1: it's so I bad. don't. feel I think it's maybe not Craig's fault that that character ended up being boring. It might have been though. Yeah. actors have to make choices. Pa pa pa. But um, what I like about Aaron Taylor Johnson is he showed us he can do comedy. He showed us he can do action. He showed us he can do anger. But he's also showed us that he can inject like, heart and nuance into all of these roles. Like, Kick-Ass is, like, a funny role, but if you watch, it's also, like, that character is just just trauma on trauma on trauma that this kid has to work through. Um, Bullet Train, too, he's, like, really, this really funny, tough guy, but then toward the end, I won't spoil it, but, like, things happen to him that really make him soften, and you see that he's, like, capable of love and this kind of thing. And I think I want all of those qualities in the next James Bond, but at the same time... I, if they're, if they're gonna just take another actor like Daniel Craig and like just put two pieces of Wonder Bread over him, then yeah, I would much rather see Aaron Taylor Johnson do the next thing like a Guy Ritchie movie and not get married to this franchise for the next however many years of his career. So really, it's on, it's on you, Barbara Barkley, Bart Broccoli, whatever it is. Uh, I think it's Broccoli. I think it's Broccoli. and, you know, that's that, that's just my stance on it. As for like, was it are, did people want was is his name Reggie on page him? From yeah,
0: I believe he's the one. But he like he didn't even want to do the second season of Bridgerton. So I don't think he's getting pinned down to franchises just yet. Yeah. Well,
1: and I also it's probably not for me to say, but I know I, Idris Alba came out recently and was like, yeah, like that was really sweet. The groundswell of support that came for me being Bond. I would have loved to do it. But seeing people's reaction, I just don't want any of that so i think yeah he's also too old apparently he's also too old apparently according to the broccolis and too street i guess which is like Uh, i'm not about to i'm not about to fault any like like black actor who's like i'm not working under that hood for the next however many years i'm not picking up that cross and running with it I've, i've got too much else i'd rather do than Try just, to yeah. those people
0: we saw what happened with little mermaid when that news came Fucking, out yeah people that so. did not give a shit about little mermaid really gave a shit about
1: little mermaid people suck yeah yep. <laughs> so I, I to re to, to put a button on it like yeah i think movies like roles like this where aaron taylor johnson shines in a movie where he might not necessarily or where the movie might not necessarily provide a lot of opportunities to shine i think are what make him an exciting bond choice but at the same time I'd also rather see what else he decides to do next. Cause I think he makes very interesting choices. And everyone should watch bullet train. Bullet train's fun. Yeah. Fucking great movie. A lot of fun. Um, Ali, did you have anything else in this movie you were like dying to talk about? It's hard because I feel like we've, I mean, we didn't really talk about Travolta.
0: Yeah. He was honestly just kind of boring. He was sort yeah. of just there and came in and got mad at them every so often uh i mean we talked about you know benicio del toro fantastic as an asshole like oh, yeah. nobody nobody plays just a disgusting unapologetic asshole what no. bothered me is that in the fantasy sequence blake Lively shoots him and he gets his comeuppance but he really he ends up kind of being the overall winner of the movie i think we like saw him like just hanging out with his family or something like he and then
1: Azul made like a Act like, a better cartel than what Salma Hayek made, if I recall. Yeah,
0: he gets off scot-free, and, he like, it, it comes out that he, like, sexually assaulted Blake Lively, and it there was no point to showing us that he had done that. Yeah. If he was then going to get off scot-free, because we already knew he was an asshole. Like, he shot one a guy in both of his knees and then killed him, and, like, killed one of the cartel workers who he was, like, trying to train. We knew he was disgusting. Like, we didn't need to see... I think that was a bridge too far, and... I was, I was upset that he got off, that that was his, his arc, was just like happy living.
1: The whole quote-unquote real ending was just another example of this movie kind of being like, ah, see, we're having fun. Like, uh ah, John Travolta actually comes in and he arrests everyone and this guy gets off and he's at his kid's baseball game. And it's like, no, not fun. Like, he's a rapist. John yep. Travolta is like a dirty cop. Sharon or Sean and uh, Ben are like, actually bad guys blake Chan. Lively is it's John. Ch- um, i'm not i'm not backtracking for that <laughs> <laughs> you should like every everyone's like a not like fun bad person like oceans 11 they're fun bad this they're everyone deserves like a bullet in the kneecap or something you know this is it's not the, well, i don't uh, think aaron Justice taylor johnson movie.
0: deserved it like he burned a guy yeah but that guy was gonna get murdered by anybody else in the room
1: Yeah, I guess it just, his his character arc is he learns what he's made of to get the things he wants. In this case, oh, being rescued. And he sees how far he's willing to go for that. And in the end, like, it's poetic if that road leads him to his doom. It's kind of just shitty if like, yeah, you can burn a guy alive, you can frame someone, you can kill a bunch of people. And then in the end, you get an island paradise with your uh, hot girlfriend and best friend it's it just it's not a clean story, I guess no. yeah,
0: I do agree. and there, and there was like an interesting line from Selma Hayek where she says to Blake Lively, uh, if they really love if they loved you the like they love each other the most and they'll never love you the most because if they didn't, why would they be willing to share you? And that, you know, I don't necessarily believe that's the way with like polyamorous relationship stuff, but it was an interesting line to include yeah. in the movie because it seemed like it was coloring something to come and it was something to consider. And then nothing does come of that either. Yeah.
1: Nothing comes up. But it was interesting to think about that the uh, the absence of jealousy is because there's nothing like she's not enough to be jealous over. What they have is their friendship. And yeah, that that, that I thought was pretty interesting.
0: I did like that there was a moment of where he was like, have I told you I love you recently? And he was like, yeah, this morning. And it's like, yeah, these guys really love each other. And it's not like in a romantic way. It's just like this very pure, like beyond friendship love.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, I just want to tell you guys the last three things I wrote.
3: (laughs) Oh, please.
2: It's really fun. Um, I wrote in my notes, forgot about the ending. This is when they, (laughs) this is the fake ending. And then I wrote, everyone is bad at this. Meaning like everyone (laughs) Every character is bad at what they're doing. Um, And then I wrote fake ending.
3: (laughs) I've seen this before.
2: So that's how engraved it is in my brain that I completely forgot almost every aspect of this movie.
1: I said, I remember like, uh, like, you know, the regular podcast listener will know Ali and I, we don't talk during the movie. We try not to talk after it. We try to save it all for the mic. But I remember when it like rewound, when she lit- like the movie literally does like the rewind animation thing. And when I realized how far back we were rewinding, I think I said out loud, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Part just why is this story? Why is this movie doing this? Part I can't believe we're gonna have to rewatch this much more of the movie. I was like so flummoxed by that.
0: Yeah, and it did seem like a lazy way to like have a risk a riskier ending, and then also have your like you know not risk it all lazy happy ending.
1: Yeah, which I I remember in the narr- the Blake Lively's like very lively and a uh, 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 narration too. She says like, "Oh, the boys did a few a few weeks behind bars, and then they disappeared." And I was like, "Wait, they did you guys stop being a throuple?" And then. I was like so distracted by that until like the last couple shots when it's like, oh no, they all ran away together. But I was distracted by that ending montage where you see everyone going because I thought after all of this they did a little time behind bars and we're like, nah, forget our whole three way relationship. Like I'm, we're all just gonna go our separate ways. And I was furious for a hot second there.
0: Yeah, all of the stuff that they did. Uh, I, I mean, I liked Selma Sa- Hayek in this movie. I thought she did she's a good. good
2: job. She's good. Yeah. This, she's good at everything. I love
0: yeah.
1: Selma Hayek's Great. Reliable Salma Hayek. Always reliable. Yeah.
0: I always like when she's able to have a role that requires her to, you know, she always had a hard time getting roles that weren't just like, and you have boobs and you're in the movie <laughs> as the person who has boobs. So I'm always happy to see like she actually gets to do things and her being the leader of a cartel is a fun uh, role for her.
1: Yeah. I mean, now look at her. She's the only woman in this movie whose role wasn't. You have boobs.
0: Exactly. Very Selma true. Salma Hayek.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh one thing I'll mention before we wrap up is the one and Ali and I were kind of talking about this earlier of like the movie couldn't pick a lane or tone was during uh they, they captured Oh and they basically like send the file send the live stream of her captured to Ben and Sean, and there's a moment where they like live video edited. The footage where they yeah. put a like decapitation of her like animated? I was like, yeah. what is happening? Who and is
0: who there's like a sassy little respond- like weird evite e-card animation thing that yeah. happens of her
1: and being yeah. Did, what I'm guy so in the weird. cartel is like, hey, hey, I made the animation. Check it out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> do they hire like an outside, like do they do like Fiverr? Like, can you edit this <laughs> they for <outsourced> us? It. <laughs> like, or do they have like a tech? do they have like guy who's like into like you know uh photoshop and and final cut pro like, I think it was like hey, oh, or more more specifically after effects like
0: yeah i was just saying, i think it was somebody's nephew i feel like they were like my nephew's really yeah. into graphic design he can do it
2: yeah it's the the random weird kid guy <laughs> that's uh in the the cell with blake lively who, yeah, like, meets a horrible doesn't enemy. want to kill, but kills. But I
0: don't know he was yeah. He was seems too, like he's I about know. to have an arc, and then they're just like, no, bang dead. Yeah, I thought the yeah. video, the, the live stream of her being kidnapped too was was one of my least favorite parts of the movie because she looks so not scared she just looks kind of just like what what is happening like she it was just not selling at all the way that it was filmed i think she was supposed to seem disoriented but she really just seemed like she was like oh why are you why are you doing this couldn't
1: give a shit that they were slapping her yeah
0: yeah like ah, it's annoying
1: all right now i think we i think we've fairly gone through all of the broad strokes of this movie um but now i'd like to get a little more uh targeted and go around the horn and say our favorite moment from the movie. It can be the funniest moment, best moment, sexiest moment, whatever just tickled your fancy. Um, we'll, uh, we, yeah, if you have one off the top of your head, yeah, hit us.
2: Yeah, there's there, there's a couple that that uh that come to mind. Um, when we first meet Travolta, he's got food on his lip. That that really <laughs> just bothered me to no end and made me laugh as well. I was like, wow, what a great introduction to holy crap, Travolta's here. Um. I mentioned the the video editing sequence kind of not really editing but what the heck was that um
1: I'd forgotten about that honestly the whole movie was so crazy that like yeah it didn't even scratch the surface
2: yeah um and then just the abundance of like dude butt like a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of butt uh I uh, I would love to hear your thoughts was this uh d- warranted did you did you enjoy
1: this or was it excessive how what were your thoughts on the the amount and, of and- uh, man ass were we or were we not able to spot a little uh, ATJ dong in the bathtub in the beginning
0: yeah you were way more focused on that than I was but it took him
2: out of the movie (laughs) he's like i don't even know what what are we watching
0: (laughs) is no
1: one seeing
0: this (laughs) i do think yeah we got a little bit but i'm i'm actually always happy when male male to female nudity ratio is at least even and in this one i think we got a significant amount of uh, male nudity compared to i think Blake Lively may have a no nudity clause or something because we didn't see her nude at all. I can't really, I don't think we saw the, the Hayek's daughter nude either in her sex Just
2: both having sex. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think we, I think it was more male nudity and I am a big fan of if it's going to be nudity, let's have more male nudity. Let's make the men have to be objectified and have to show their asses to get into movies these days. So, you know, more of that.
1: All right. I appreciate it. (laughs) Ali, what was your favorite, best, sexiest moment from the movie?
0: Uh, So I, you know, I definitely enjoyed a lot of Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson. I I think he did a great job with the reacting to where he was supposed to kill the guy and he panics too much and then he uh, has to have it. So John kills him instead. And then. Uh, when he throws up later because he's, you know, having to deal with uh, everything that happened and the fear, I thought he he played all of that really well. But I do think my favorite scene was probably the scene with Benicio del Toro breaking into that lawyer's house and really threatening him. And telling him, you know, listen, if I shoot you in one leg, what are you now, 42? If I shoot you in, in the right leg, you're going to be 52. I shoot 52. you in the left leg, you're going to be 62. Yeah. And then he really lets the guy, like, strings him along. And and the guy is smarm, the smarmy lawyer type and is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to uh, call and I'll get you anything you want. And he, like, really is like, yeah, yeah, okay, great, call the guy. And then he shoots him and he's like, now you're 52. And then he shoots him in the other one, now you're 62. And then he just flat out kills him, which is yeah. no, a little bit of overkill.
1: Yeah. And how scary it is when you realize that the gardeners are all outside and it's like, oh, now no one's going to be able to hear gunshots. No one's going to be able to hear me scream because there's all this lawn equipment. Kind, of, kind of smart. Yeah, yeah. like menacingly yeah. smart. Yeah. Um, For me, look, there's a lot to talk about in this movie. My, you know, podcast answer is I thought the action sequence with the um the heist where you see Taylor Kitts character really like, orchestrate this you see how capable he is you see that these two guys aren't it's not a movie about two guys who are completely in over their head it's a movie about two guys who um are doing more than they than they want to be are are crossing lines they don't want to cross uh which i thought was interesting but the answer in my heart is there was just one small detail that really had me giggling to myself which is after the car heist after the uh, ied and all of that stuff Benicio del Toro and the rest of like the guys from the cartel are at the scene and they're investigating the death of these eight men. And Benicio del Toro is like, "I'll tell you know the boss when I'm ready to tell the boss. You now, give these guys burials like men and go like inform their families and give them money." And then he just slowly takes a sip of an iced coffee from Starbucks. <laughs> and I don't know why that. <laughs> the meant to tone of so this much. movie is
2: nuts. It's all
1: (laughs) over the road. It like wasn't played for a joke despite being the funniest goddamn thing in this movie. It's just him delicately sipping from a ice Starbucks straw. Yeah. I don't know.
0: In a similar vein, one of my favorite just things that was all throughout the movie was like selma hayek when she would send her little like threatening messages to them like her weird little ransom note-esque emails yeah. she i loved her use of like emoticons like you know like <laughs> she would, she'd have frowny face like come alone frowny face or yeah. like come for this meeting smiley face and i did find that very charming
2: which and reminds me reminds, reminds me of uh of um get him to the greek do you guys remember Get Him to the Greek? Oh, yeah. With, with, with one of my favorite performances of any person ever. It was P. Diddy in that movie. <laughs> yes. and And uh, uh, Jonah Hill's character reads a text message and it's, and it's P. Diddy doing the narration. It says, where are you? I'm gonna kill you. Smiley face.
3: <laughs> and he says
2: the emoji. And I was like, again, that's one of my favorite lines nice t- of t- anything ever.
1: His line where he chases them out of the hotel and he's like chasing their car after being yep. hit by a car. And he just... Like it's ADR and am just going, now that's a mind fuck. That's like the biggest laugh of the movie. That's so good. I love that movie. Um. Well, all great moments all around. Now it's time for my favorite segment where I'm going to read you guys a little bit of trivia about this movie. Okay. Um. I tried to keep it. I got a lot from IMDb. I got a few from interviews. I looked into the book a little bit. Normally I try to go deeper on this, but this is just a rabbit hole of Oliver Stonedness um that I wasn't Tyler-stoned enough to really get into. But I think I got some interesting tidbits here. Um, first of all, one of the things I like about this movie is that Taylor Kitch seemed capable. And that is because he actually uh, trained with Navy SEALs. They like gave him on tips Mars. on physicality <laughs> on Mars. He paid them all in uh, merchandise that never got sold from that movie. They were really stoked to have it. So that worked out for everyone. Yep. Yep. Um, and, like, they mentioned specifically on IMDb that the scene where he gets the guy to roll down the window before stabbing him in the neck was, like, something the SEALs were like, you should do that, which is a little scary. Um, For the role of O, would you believe that Blake Lively was not the first choice?
2: Yes, I yeah. would believe she's, like, the fifth choice.
1: Now, yeah, I ca- agree. Cast your mind back around this time. If I told you there was an actress who was going to do this movie... But she decided to leave for a, a franchise. Can you just say, Allie?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say either Kristen Stewart or Jennifer Lawrence.
1: Is Jennifer Lawrence? She yeah. left. She did Hunger Games instead of doing this, which boy was that the right move.
0: Yeah, this role is beneath her.
1: Yeah, other actresses considered were Olivia Wilde, Abby Cornish, Amber Heard, Teresa Palmer. And I don't know if she was considered, but it says Lindsay Lohan expressed interest.
2: Wait, so go back because Teresa Palmer, like four years earlier, would have been starring in this movie.
0: Yeah. Before
2: it's not it's like her and Blake Lively kind of have not similar trajectories, but like they really burst onto the scene and are in everything and then they're in nothing. They're like Yeah. You know, like Teresa Palmer was in warm bodies, right? Like this is right around that time where she's in a bunch of stuff like going back to to my wife the first movie we watched on the second day we met was we watched uh, I showed her accepted so this is 2000 oh, yeah. this is 2007 so accepted came out in 2006 6 years before this movie and Blake Lively is in she is the main person in accepted like that was like this is Blake Lively cuz like this is like it's this and then gossip girl and then gossip girl makes her a household name So it's like, and then again, Teresa Palmer, like that, they're kind of in that that same, very much in the same trajectory. Jennifer Lawrence, not so much. She had like Winner's Bone and uh, I was just listening to her podcast with her and she had tried out to be Bella in Twilight and just did not get it. Um, And then she ended up getting Hunger Games.
1: That makes sense.
0: Yeah, she was too elevated pretty fast. Like, where people were like, oh, she's, like, she'll focus from this, like, very boring, like, I'm the girlfriend role. I feel like Amber Heard was in that, like, area too, where they were like, hey, this is a really side character, kind of boring girlfriend role. Like, let's call it Amber Heard. Let's call him, like, Lively. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. And, like, let's, I guess let's, like, answer Lindsay Lohan, who's been screaming outside the studio. (laughs) Easy shot at Lindsay Lohan. She's fine. Yeah. Um... For the role of Elena, that went to Salma Hayek, they con- considered Zoe Saldana and Michelle Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, they were like which, the only two other Latina people that we yeah, casted. Thing is, <laughs>
1: I think I think Salma Hayek's the best get out of the three. No shade to either of them. I think I could see Zoe Saldana doing it. I can't see it's Michelle so, Rodriguez. Twenty twelve, she would have been too young.
0: I was thinking that too, like Selma Hayek was the right age where I could buy that she has grown up kids and like she's running this cartel. She's got the confidence for it too. Like Zoe Saldana has like, she has a very youthful look just in general, but I think she, yeah, she would have been too young and Michelle Rodriguez, same problem.
2: Yeah, like I feel like Michelle Rodriguez has like the toughness to match like Benicio Del Toro's creepiness, but like neither of them have the maturity that Selma Hayek, like you believe that she has been in the shit for years like she is yeah. like like when she's yelling at them for what happened with the raid yeah. they're like legit terrified because they're like she's well connected she will kill us like the yeah. only way that we can go around her is by like going to the fbi or the CIA, or whatever like it's the only way that we could stop her like we can't do it by ourselves because she's too connected within the uh the god you know the cartel
1: Whereas I feel like Michelle Rodriguez wouldn't have played that. Like Michelle Rodriguez playing that same scene. It's like, I feel like the fear isn't, oh, she's really connected. It's you more would like she's had- going to sock us. Like she's yeah. that kind of tough. You would have
2: had to seen a little or- or origin of her as like the daughter of the guy the, the drug cartel guy he gets killed and she kills his killer or something and then yeah, she is yeah. head of it like you would have to have gotten a lot more backstory to an already bloated movie of like how is this woman in charge she seems very young
1: and to be fair she the character was a little bit of trivia i wasn't going to include but it's kind of kind of coming up she is based on a real life uh uh female cartel boss um who you know was very like you know, tough and got her hands dirty and and things of that nature. So I could see them going, maybe writing the character different for Michelle Rodriguez. But I think what we got from sama Hayek was pretty
2: good. Um, I, think I, I think I read a, a a cracked article about that woman that you're talking about.
0: Yes, I think I did too. Yeah, yeah.
1: well, and there's like, a couple too because I was remembering a drunk history. I'm a big Dan Harmon fan, and there was a drunk history that he narrated about. Yes. So, but it, that's a different uh, uh, Colombian cartel yep. boss yeah who uh so that's not the character that this one's based on um but that's another really interesting one who like confronted her husband and ended up shooting him and his like six bodyguards and taking over his cartel which is fucking awesome and she there's, there's the a couple
0: box. like really like legendary female cartel bosses yeah
1: um so cool we that's i'm sure there's podcasts about that i've mean, someone everyone go listen to them um in the role of ben which is the taylor kicks role, right
0: no, yeah. no, no! he's Chon. He's Chon. Yeah. No, he's
1: Ben. Aaron Taylor Johnson is.
2: Yeah. Aaron you said you there. said
0: Taylor Kitsch though. Taylor oh, Kitch did I? Is, I'm sorry. Taylor yeah. Kitsch is
2: Chani. Chani My B. bad.
1: Yeah. So in the in the role of Ben, which is Aaron Taylor Johnson, actors who were considered, and this is swinging for the fence here, Leonardo DiCaprio. Tom it is Hardy,
2: Oliver Stone. Remember this. This yeah. is not Michael Bay.
1: That's true. Still
2: he's just making a Michael Bay movie.
1: It was DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, Garrett Hedlund, and James Franco.
2: Garrett Hedlund and Taylor Kitsch are completely interchangeable. 100%. I fully agree,
0: which doesn't they're, make sense that he would be considered for the, the, ben the
2: same person.
0: Um, I think- where, and I feel like Tom Hardy at in 2012 had the the same energy that Aaron Taylor Johnson has now. Yeah. So I see I feel like he was a little too like too old for the, this role in 2012. But I see where his name is being floated.
1: Franco too, I could see. Uh, the the blank check podcast refers to him as a feaster famine actor, meaning when he's trying, he could totally pull this off. But there is a very coin toss odds that he would just be playing this like Oz the Great and Powerful, and it just wouldn't work.
0: Well, I also wonder how long this movie was in development for because the the ages why are like wildly different. Like you know, Aaron Taylor Johnson was so much younger than James Franco or uh, DiCaprio. So
2: DiCaprio he, could play young, though. He's yeah, really and good 20, at it.
0: In 2012, though, I'm too, you know, like... Look it, how young like, he
2: looks in the beginning of Wolf of Wall Street, which is right around this time.
0: Yeah, but I'm too distracted by... I would be too distracted by the fact that I knew he was too old, you know? And I would feel the yeah. same way with James Franco or Tom Hardy. So I do wonder if there was like a six-year development situation with this where they were like, okay, everyone's aging out, We got to switch him up.
1: And this is also a time when he is making things like Wolf of Wall Street, which are like you know uh um le- letters to the academy uh that this movie very much uh is not yeah no. No. Um,
2: and and this is not like peak this is like the weird dip in stones kind of career like not dip but like it's a very odd like it's he does i guess it was w then uh wall street 2 like he went back to that well <laughs> he's like i need a hit was there like strategies. a gap
1: before this, like a like a couple, like a several years? Yeah, gap? yeah.
2: But like that's what I'm saying. Like those three movies are kind of just like not whiffs, but just like what. And yeah. then he doesn't really come back until Snowden, like where that like it starts getting like Academy buzz and yeah. good reviews and things like that. But like the last these three are just like very
1: forgettable. Yeah, like spilled some movies. Um, Uma Thurman was cast, and I believe they actually shot. Scenes of her as uh, I'm gonna say Paku P A Q U O's mother, but they just didn't end up using them, which is crazy to me. Uh, That's but true. the movie was actually shipped under the code name like to theaters under the code name pa- or Pac Paku or Pak or whatever.
2: Wait, wait, wait. Uh, so, so th- this very bloated movie was longer, <laughs> it was longer, it had, it had Uma Thurman in it, and they're like, you know what, we need to cut Uma Thurman, yeah.
0: But I what? also get it, I don't care about oh, I mom don't reading care. the emails that she sent. No. As much as I love Uma Thurman, it's like, yeah, I can see where yeah. they were like, if any we can trim this fat.
1: I'd have to guess it was like a whole subplot of her mom, like, you know, deciding to look for her or something like that. Yeah. And the boys or just have sitting to, like, at the computer and reading the leg. emails
0: that she was sending.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Also-
2: also, if you're going to kidnap someone, and I'm telling the audience, if you're planning on kidnapping anyone... Yeah,
1: everyone get your notepads out.
2: Don't give them access to the internet.
0: Yes! That's how what? stupid they found her, though, and she doesn't do anything notable. She doesn't do a thing. Just- she sends her mommy some emails about like, I miss home, though. This trip is making me realize how much I missed home. And it's like, yeah, kidnapping will do that to you.
1: Well, I thought they thought they were implying it was like the kind of thing of like, you know, you better send an email that make sure no one misses you or where like bad. Things but are she happen. she
0: asked for the access
1: yeah because she said like oh people are gonna start looking for me so presumably that was sort of like an at gunpoint thing but what the scene was missing was the fucking gun she there was nothing stopping her from just writing here's here's who kidnapped me here's what they look like she just also- basically
2: said like i really want to like stay informed can i go on twitter yeah like, that's kind of the the energy in the room was like i i need I, I need to tell people that i'm fine
0: and there's yeah, there's no utility in her asking to do that and being like so annoying and adamant about it. She mm-hmm. doesn't do it. I thought maybe she was sending like coded messages to her mom because she's. That's talking what I was thinking. Yeah, like her stepdad worked for the CAA or FBI, one of those two. And it's like no, nothing comes of it. And it and it it was a chance to give her character something that would make us respect her more or some sort of agency. And they just were like, nah, she just really wanted to go on the internet. <laughs>
1: you can hear all those relics of a subplot that involved the mother that just never came to be
0: I guess they should just um, exist like they didn't need her to go on the internet at all then
2: um no they didn't it was just that's the fat that you could have drew yeah it's not
3: necessary
1: um as Ali stole from me this was Ali Wong's debut yep um Oliver Stone began, I mentioned this a little bit up top, Oliver Stone began working on the screenplay adaptation before the book was published. He was that confident that this was, like, this was just going to be this great story. Which, again, I think is a little bit of why this movie doesn't feel super fleshed out, super well thought out. I think it was still in its inception when it was already being morphed from page to screen. Uh, So I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a lesson to be learned in there. But, did anyone walk away from this movie kind of thinking i wish there was more
3: no
2: no no i wish there if you did. i wish there was more time put into the development of this movie instead of just like throwing hot people <laughs> throwing hot people and like great veteran actors together for kind of like no reason
0: yeah no. Honestly, like like you said about how if Michelle Rodriguez was Selma Hayek's character, like they would have had to give her a backstory. I would have actually loved a backstory or, or even just if the movie was about her rise to the cartel, because that's so much more interesting than a lot of what we got. Yeah.
1: Well, if you love a backstory <laughs> and you want backstory on these characters, but not Selma Hayek's Elena, there is, uh, Don Winslow, who wrote the novel Savages, wrote a prequel after this came out titled The Kings of Cool. And, uh, That's the, a terrible
2: uh, title. Subtitled
1: bit, The Money Grab. It's subtitled A Prequel to Savages. It and, should have been called "Orgasm." <laughs> orgasms and Wargasms. Orgasms and Wargasms. Which, I mean, tell me that wouldn't fly off the shelf by all these, these Judge a Book by its cover people. Pretty much. Um, I guess the movie kind of takes place pre obviously all of this as uh ben and sean build their empire and meet sean 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 Sean. Sean, yeah
3: dermot mulroney
1: yes (laughs) (laughs) um a little bit of the excerpt from shyman and schuster says that uh it takes place in, in men but it also talks about how they're inextricably linked with their parents And so it also flashes to the 1960s about how all their parents kind of met. So the quote I have here reads, as the trio at the center of the book uh, does battle with a cabal of drug dealers and crooked cops, they come to learn that their future is inextricably linked with their parents' history. A series of breakneck twists and turns puts two generations on a collision course, culminating in a stunning showdown that will force Ben and Sean and O to choose between their real families and their loyalty to one another. That sounds awful, horrible. They're I really both feel sound like sound bad.
0: I feel like he just like he sold the option for his book before the book was even published, and he was like, "Oh my god, I, I made like six figures or whatever it was for it," and then was like, "You know what I gotta do is just write another one so I can option that one out, and they'll also make that a movie." And then nobody was biting. Yeah, and he was I'm probably su- like,
1: "Please, I'm sure there were like yeah. sequel or prequel talks or something like that," and he was like, "I gotta produce a book to get a piece of that action." Mm-hmm um but yeah i don't want to see a prequel i also it i hate i hate when prequels are like oh so this is their second bloody crazy adventure cool
0: yeah we got no hint of that in the original in the, the movie no. we just watched no, no. It, it,
2: the, uh, there's a podcast i listen to a pretty famous podcast called the rewatchables and they do something like they do uh, a segment at the end when they're talking about you know some of their favorite movies ever is like could this be remade as like a Netflix limited series, or mm. re- d- done with an all-black cast, or whatever? They give like a bunch of options, like movie, a uh, prequel, whatever. We I already said that. we already said no to the prequel. Prequel's done. Mm. Like we don't want this, especially the hard that, pass. Hard pass. I will say though, if they go with me and Allie's idea of putting more characters in this and having a more little intertwined. Then I wouldn't be against like an eight episode Netflix series or go the French way. Like if you ever watched Lupin, which is fucking awesome, they do like yeah. three episodes. It's like yeah. three movies, like th- three hour long episodes. Like that could have been better suited with this, maybe, versus I think it would have been more digestible too, if they just turned this into like a like a limited series.
0: And they could have done a flashback episode about how Hayek got into power. Yeah, I would exactly. I would much rather.
1: We're- do a kind of thing where it's like, okay, the premises. in order to rescue O, they have to hit all of these like safe houses, crooked businesses and things like that and steal from this cartel to raise the money. And then each episode you learn a little bit about like, okay, so who's in this, this house? Who's in this house? Who are the criminals that run this part of the operation? And then you watch them get dismantled. And then it leads like, I, you could definitely stretch this out into a longer series that I think would be pretty cool. It's yeah, yeah, maybe an interesting it should, thought experiment. They
2: should, should adapt it, get a better writing team involved and may, make something good out of it. Because not that there is something here, but again, I just, I love the location. I love, it, it might even be too dated now because like they even said in the movie, like this is going to be legal soon. Like with the, yeah. and it fucking is legal now. <laughs> like, so it was very also, of the time a little bit.
1: They also kind of, there's that one scene where, lake lively's like video chatting with selma hayek and she's like can i just get some of the stuff that we're all killing each other for and selma hayek's like oh how long have you been using since eighth grade and like all that and they're talking about like weed like it's heroin and it was like a little strange i i don't know it just seemed like they were trying to make it seem like a hard drug that's going to lead to this lifestyle and it's like yeah I I, i don't think weed is anyone's problem in this movie
2: no no, except for Benicio's character, who the, the choice of delivery method of the weed was just not necessary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. The did remind me of Ice Bongs. Remember that? No.
0: Yeah, I do remember Ice Bongs. <laughs> <Not>,
1: oh, no. <laughs> um, all right, well, I'll close the trivia section with this. It's just a quote from Oliver Stone, who was asked, in the end, who were the savages? And he wrote, or he said, aren't we all to some degree... The question is, what degree do you cross boundaries of what is right and wrong, or what is right and what is wrong? And that's all he had to say about who the savages are in this movie.
2: I thought he—that's all he had to say about the whole movie. Like if that was the <laughs> one interview he gave, and he gave one quote, and then he just left. I'd be like, "Yep, that's Olive Stone. He yeah, stood try. up
1: and he walked into the ocean. Yeah, I mean, um, there
0: was that fun moment of like, there's one point where like our trio is talking and they call like the cartel yeah. savages, and then. Benicio Del Toro is commenting on the fact that it seemed like they all sleep together and he calls them savages. And that was like another of the hint of like where this movie could have been fun if it had like funny little things like that. And it was like, nah, but it's just, just going to be out of place.
1: Yeah, they ditch that and then it's Blake Lively gets kidnapped and then it's just,
0: you know, sad. It also, it appeared the script was written by like three separate people, like Oliver Stone. I thought you were going
1: to say
2: three-year-old.
0: Yeah, that, that's right. where you go with. <laughs> well, I I feel like maybe that's why it feels so disjointed, like the, because of the way that it had like the ampersands in between everybody. It wasn't like here's this writing because they'll they'll do like an ampersand in between and then write and Oliver Stone if it was like a writing team and then Oliver Stone took a crack on it on his own. Well, but there were ampersands in between all three, so I feel like it may have been like. It's a book and then this guy adapts it and then this guy comes and rewrites that guy's script and then Oliver Stone comes and rewrites what everybody else did. And maybe that's why it feels so disjointed and there's like relics of like a better script or relics of fun left in. I don't know.
1: Well, it's Oliver Stone, Don Winslow, who wrote the novel and the subsequent prequel, and then Shane Salerno, who, um, let's see, known for Armageddon, Salinger, The Comey Rule, Avatar, The Way of Water. Oh. Sure. Um and guys, that's all I have for the trivia. Some interesting stuff in there. I'm sure there's a lot more to dive into. Um, I doubt I'll be checked by any super diehard savages fan. If I get any hate on Twitter, it's just Oliver Stone on a ghost account. Um
0: come at us, but... Oliver.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Come at not a couple goals <laughs> Come on the podcast. Yeah. Um... About... Oh yeah, we'd love to pick your brand and we have thoughts. Yeah. We I'll have do, I'll give you
0: shrooms if you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Al, you'll do it. <laughs> um, this has been great. I guess let's close out as we close every episode. We'll go around. I think the listener probably knows the answer to this. But Al, would you recommend people watch this movie that aren't us doing it for a podcast?
2: Uh, No, I think don't <laughs> don't, don't, don't waste your time. It's it's super forgettable to the point that I, again, I saw this in the theater, forgot 98% of this movie. This crazy <laughs> amount.
1: I do love your last note being, like, fake ending? Yeah, fake ending? Love that.
2: Yeah. They also say the title of the movie 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: And yep. they keep going.
2: And they keep... oh you'll, <laughs> they savages. Say savages. Savages, savages. A sa- lot. Savages.
1: <laughs> Allie, how about you?
0: No. I Like, like we've, you know, gone over. I think that there's a, a better version of this movie, and there's a way this movie could have been fun, but it though in watching of this movie it just makes you wish you were watching a better version or watching just a funner movie
1: yeah i agree i also wouldn't recommend it i was torn while watching it of kind of being like well there's some fun stuff in here like yeah it's like one of those so bad it's good movies i would re- like we talk a lot about whether or not we would recommend it recommend it with a caveat that it's like so bad it's good and kind of fun or just not recommend it. And I was close to being like, so bad, it's good. It's kind of fun. Then the scene where Del Toro shows Blake Lively, his phone happens and I'm like, no, it's the the scale of upsetting to like kind of fun moments just tipped. Um, it it really know? wasn't
0: bad though. It was just kind of like middling. Like it just like, didn't quite know what it wanted to do. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, but I feel like it's middling and then it kind of adds that. And I'm like, all right, just I'm done here. Yeah. Um, but that's just me. Uh, But if you you know listen to this all the way through and you haven't seen the movie and you're curious, uh, I think this would have been more fun if it was directed by Michael Bay. I agree. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, have you guys seen Ambulance? No, not yet,
2: guys. Want to, guys? Not a romantic, a romantic thriller. (laughs) Go watch Ambulance. If you learn anything from this podcast, go watch Ambulance. Go watch Ambulance. It's pretty awesome. It's so bad, it's good, but then it's also just good. Like. In, See, all, um, in the uh, only way Michael Bay can it's a very pro Michael Bay podcast for whatever reason I, don't know I why.
1: This, like I said at the top this movie reminds me a lot in terms of like look and tone of Bad Boys 2 yeah. which is not a good movie but I will die on the hill that it is very watchable some of the oh, best so action watchable. sequences love That's that right. movie very good Michael Bay man and Al, pain pain for... and Gain,
2: also a great Michael Bay movie.
1: Yes. Although Ali has a complicated relationship with that movie.
0: Yeah, I don't like, I, I worked on uh, like a episode of true crime about the actual case. So I had to like dive deep into it. And they really just were like, isn't this tee hee hee funny? And it's like a lot of people really horribly murdered. It was
3: brutal. Yeah. 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 And they they make
0: the they make the kidnapping guy who's played by Tony Shalhoub into like a complete asshole. And this was just like a nice family man, business owner who was kidnapped. And he's come out and been like, why did why did they make me such an asshole? Like people think I'm an asshole now. Yeah. A
1: lot of liberties were apparently a lot. But
2: I'll say I'll say this. A lot of movies that are based on true
1: stories do that. Yeah. 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 The the Rock and Mark Wahlberg have some some explaining to do. That's right. (laughs) Mark Wahlberg, who I laugh all the time, just quietly to myself. Uh, I didn't watch the Transformers movie that he was in, but I really love that he plays, like, a Texan doing nothing to hide his Boston accent. Literally in the trailer, it it makes me shit myself laughing every time when he's like, I think we found the Transformer. Yeah, in the Lone Star State, where I'm clearly from. I love that. It makes me laugh so much. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Love Um, it. Al, this was such a delight. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad we finally got you on the show that you basically, you know, made happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, you been... completed
0: our uh, pop break bingo card, pretty much. I think you
1: were yeah. our uh, final get we needed. Yep, yes. we got Bill, we got Amanda, we got Alex, we got Al. Now did we a start... Cat
2: yet? She would love doing this. We, we did got get Cat. Okay, got... good. She so, was yeah. our last guest
1: uh, for... Um, what Lies what, what Beneath. What Lies Beneath. Okay, great. great. Such a Such a great movie, written by Clark Gregg. I love Clark Gregg. He's right? great.
2: Yeah, you know what? He directed uh, a uh, Chuck Palahniuk. I don't know if that's how you say his last name. To the yeah. author, he wrote. He did directed the adaptation of uh, Choke with uh Sam Rockwell. I like that movie.
1: Really, I don't think I've seen that. I
2: I also remember reading the book when I was in high school. But I like that movie. It's 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 weird but fun and <laughs> very I don't know strange. And I love Sam Rockwell, and he's great and everything.
0: Oh, yeah. am Rock Rolls. Fantastic.
2: Yeah. But yeah, so happy to be here, guys. I'm so happy yeah. that you guys are doing this and and podcasting. And uh, Tyler, we, we loved having you and having you on uh, the Socially Distanced podcast, which you can find on popbreak.com, just like this podcast. Uh, you've done a lot of our Marvel stuff. You were just on our Secret Evasion pod, uh, which I'm going to probably miss this week because I want to go see Indiana Jones.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bummer. Yeah, uh, yeah, but
1: I was also on the uh, we were both, I think, on the Indiana Jones uh, rewatch. You guys, I, I was I missed... not, I missed those. <laughs> oh, you did, miss yeah, because you yes. didn't do those. Uh, yeah, uh, we cover, I remember you dropped in for the Die Hard one, that was I fun. I did, that um, was fun. Yeah, oh, me, and ben so were many... watching,
2: me and Ben were watching uh, Giants, Giants, uh, uh, Commanders uh, during while you, while you guys were both recording that, and both of us were drinking heavily. Yep. separately from like different parts of the world we both come in ben was very drunk <laughs> that was fun
1: i mean you got, maybe it's just i've got a bad radar for it but like you've are notorious you and bill like no- not bill so much anymore but you are notoriously like a rarely sober when you're recording these podcasts yeah. i'm like you would never know it
3: it's just you
2: know good yeah, practice makes perfect
1: <laughs> that's that's what makes you the pro that's right um alex where are alex al where can the people find you
2: uh, you can find me at uh, Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, no, la- no longer verified on Twitter because no one is. Same. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, you can find uh, some of my photos um, on the popric.com as well as NJ.com where I freelance for them. I just took photos of uh, Luke Bryan. Uh, at, at the PNC bank Arts center and Blake Shelton at the barefoot country festival country, barefoot country music festival uh, covered uh RuPaul's drag race work, the world tour, which uh, started in Atlantic city. So you can see all of my photos and that, that one I actually wrote the review, my first byline for them. So you can find all of that on NJ.com and have a ton more planned for the rest of the year. Um, and of course, uh, for the pop break, I'll be covering San Diego Comic Con, so you can check that out and follow uh, follow our podcast, the Socially Distanced Podcast, on uh, anywhere you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, you name it. With my co host and best friend Bill Bodkin, uh, who uh, we have a love hate relationship to this day.
1: <laughs> and Al sells himself great, but I would just want to say, I when I met you in 2016, I knew very little about concert photography or that it was even really a thing and just watching your account over these years has been awesome he takes amazing super cool photos um he took the best cosplay photo on the internet that is getting new (laughs) life these days um that's that's my friend al so go check out his work i appreciate it um and you know al only my second favorite person my first favorite person where can the people find you
0: you can find uh me I post fun little sketches now on TikTok at like Willie Nelson, just like it sounds. And then you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, the dumpster fire that it is still. I'm still watching it burn at anal retentive, A-N-E-L-R-E-T-E-N-T-I-V-E. And you can find my writing on Parade.com. I cover, you know, celebrity news, things like that.
1: Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter, uh dumpster fire that it is at Tyler McCarthy, where I'll mostly be posting uh podcasts that I'm on and uh stuff about the TV show Warrior uh and retweeting things Al does that are cool. Yeah, please um,
0: watch Warrior. The season yes. three comes out this uh this week and we want I gotta a watch season it. four. Yeah.
2: Oh, Al, when I'm watch done with it. the bear,
1: I'm starting that watch it, you're You're welcome. Best fight scenes on TV. Yeah. Uh, You can find my writing at USA Insider, NBC Insider, Sci-Fi Wire, um, all the NBC Universal brands. Uh, I'm covering Hot Wheels. I'm covering Race to Survive Alaska. Really excited to cover the new season. Chucky, Temptation Island, Big D, all of these things. If you're a fan, um, you know, check out my work. Uh, That is it for us uh, for this episode. Again, special thanks to Al and
0: Special thanks to Mallory Johns for our intro and outro music.
1: And Alex Marcus, our producer.